but either way, Tim, like they, they clearly want to expand and you would think like, look, if they're willing to go through the effort of, uh, of London, um, why not somewhere in Canada? Right. Like, right. Right. Baseball yeah. does it. Mm, yeah. Basketball does it. Yeah. Well, like I said before, and, and I, I'm going to paraphrase it, but you know, if, if Toronto got a professional football team, like from the NFL, they would, then they'd also want a professional hockey team. Right. <laughs> <laughs> So hey everybody, welcome to episode 162 of the More Than Just Code podcast. My name is Tim Mitra and I am in Toronto, Ontario, and I'm joined as usual by Jaime Lopez Jr. in Seattle, Washington. How's it going? And we also have Mark Rubin down in San Jose, California. Hello. Okay, all right. So, or, or righty for those of you who really care. Um, we do have an Ask MTJC and I volunteer to take, take it on. So we did talk about um, this on the show, but uh, in between when we recorded and when we uh, actually published, our buddy Sean Marston over there in the great, great UK uh, sent us a link showing a, a animated GIF of the Knight Rider style UI activity indicator on the new iPhone 10. So kudos to Sean for being that observant and here's your shout out for letting us know. So that's cool. Have you guys seen, I sent you the clip, right? Have you guys yeah. played with the iPhone 10 uh, simulator yet? No? You know, I actually bit, haven't yeah. had a chance to, no. A little bit, yeah, I, I ran... Uh, the current app I'm working on on it, and notice that the notch actually does take a big chunk out of the uh, mm-hmm. the full screen video that we're, that we're showing. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and it's funny because, like, I think I, I mentioned that the reason I spotted it was because I we do use an app that has a UI activity indicator. We used to have the you know the HUD that everybody uses, where you have the little spinny wheels, and we'd say loading or whatever, um, or whatever we were doing, syncing. Um, and we decided that that was a bit too much since we already had the UI activity spinner in the status bar but uh looking at this new you know kit style status bar i don't find it as as noticeable and i don't know don't know that you know users you know will necessarily realize that's what's going on at first when they first get into the phone but then again i guess people who are buying the iphone 10 are kind of you know, more concerned you know more uh what's the word i'm looking for Ugh, discerning customers right so <laughs> you know i actually did see that ui activity indicator today just in passing and didn't even realize it was an activity indicator yeah that's, that's that's what I mean. It's kind of like what? Yeah. yeah. To me, it, it almost looks like it almost looks like um, like it's spinning a spinning circle on its side. I don't really see it as a kit thing going back and forth. You know, mm. you know, you get that. So I don't know if you've ever seen the little optical illusion of the ballerina spinning, and you can. And the question is, do you see her spinning clockwise or counterclockwise? And it's all done in the silhouette. Mm-hmm. Have you ever seen that illusion? No. Nope. Yeah, I, oh, I, yeah, I I know which one you're talking about, Tim. And it breaks my mind how. Yeah, I see it either way until I realize it, and then I can't unsee it in whichever way I've suddenly realized it. Yeah, going. you really you you really have to concentrate on trying to see it go the other way. You have to like let your. I mean, I can I can flip back and forth, but you're right. I always sort of tend to see it one way or the other. I think probably clockwise is how I see her spinning most of the time in my mind's eye. Anyway, all right. So um, just a couple of follow up items here. One was I found an article uh, which I thought was interesting. It was the 14 things that you may have missed in the Apple announcements last week. One thing that kind of slipped past us all was that they've added $50 to the price of all of the iPads, uh, which is a minor thing. Um, of course, more expensive in the UK and Europe. Um, I think they're talking about, in, in general, everything. And now I, I, I tweeted out about the price of the Canadian iPhone here, which if you do the conversion, they also add $50 to Canadian um, import. And I think that has to do with import and duty and stuff like that. Um, but uh, some of my European friends said that they were, were expecting to pay even more. Uh, in fact, I think one of my friends... Um, 
Marin said he's not even going to go near this phone because it's just too expensive. Um, the iPhone SE, on the other hand, also went down $50 le- uh, in price, which is kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gen- generous have- of them, considering it's a it's a year old, even <laughs> older technology now. But, okay. We passed yeah, the savings totally on to you, just yeah. like we passed on the expense, Tim. You, you kind of overlooked the fact that they, they didn't just make the iPads more expensive for giggles. It was apparently because of the uh, memory. the NAND storage memory. Okay, so yeah, rather so than more. eating into their margins, like, whatever, cost us $50 more, great. It's $50 more for you now. Right, right, right. Okay. And then the Apple TV. We talked about Amazon and the Apple TV in a previous show, so we, that was nothing new. Um, this is an interesting one, and I found three articles on this. I'm just going to talk about it in this one here. But, um, you know, they, they talked about the fact that you've got fast charge. Um, capability in the iPhone 8, 8 Plus and the iPhone 10. Yet, you, as I think Greg mentioned, you just get a regular um, a USB 2 or 3 style cable, which isn't, which can't do the uh, the uh, fast charging. You need to get a USB-C charger and a USB lightning cable or USB to lightning cable uh, to get the faster um, thing. So, like, that's another what, a cable's like 20 bucks and, and adapters. I, I'm not sure what the price of these adapters are, but it's not, not simple, not cheap right yeah so uh they didn't mention anything about disney but of course jaime mentioned about disney last week so we knew about that um apple care yeah so this is this is what okay the whole debate we had, and I'll talk about it now since we're, we're on this part of the page. The whole debate we had about Apple Care last week. W- my point was not about whether I should buy Apple Care or not. My point was that when I got Apple Apple Care for my iPad, my iPhone six plus, it was ninety nine dollars. Right? It's now two forty nine. So, it's, and according to this article here, it's gone up one hundred and four. Or no, it cost you one forty nine US. Uh, and then the 199 for the f- iPhone X. So the price of that has gone up as well, um, slightly in the case of the, the 6S, 7, 7 Plus. Um, it doesn't say what the 8 is. On no, it doesn't. Anyways. Yeah, it's not yeah. Yeah, maybe it was a typo or something, but yeah, it, that's gone up in price too. And again, it may be access to parts too. And and I think I think I was thinking about this this morning as as getting ready for the show was that Apple Care is kind of like an insurance, right? Like you know they they get as many people as they can to pay you know us uh, into this slush so that the rest of us can benefit. For, so if somebody does actually have an accidental, you know, like the other thing, Apple Care Plus also covers you for two accidental damages. Like you can break your screen and it only costs you like a, a nominal fee. I think maybe a bucks or something to replace it as opposed to what things actually worth um, in terms of labor and time and all that kind of stuff, right? Um, which regular AppleCare doesn't cover. So, And the reason I bought AppleCare for my my Plus was because remember all the discussion we had about BendGate? You know, uh, we didn't know if it was a real thing or not. And, uh, you know, it was such a big phone and you know, I knew how, how uh, much abuse it was going to take in my pocket. You know, I didn't want to end up with a bent phone, right? Yeah, so that so AppleCare got more expensive. That was that was part of my point last week. Uh, oh, it looks like repairs are getting more expensive too. So as it, in this next line um apple watches a phone let's hold that thought for a minute <laughs> product red has now gone away um which i got the red iphone 7 for my wife last uh go around and now that's gone and the f- iphone 5 and 5c are now no longer available right so that, that's not surprising I, I actually wasn't even aware that they were they were still available up to now yeah no i'm just trying <laughs> yeah yeah they're saying don't buy an iphone 5c or 5 or 5c don't buy a fourth generation ipad or an ipod touch 5 those are all 
oh, because it's 32 bit devices still, right? Yeah, they don't they don't support iOS 11. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. So, and apparently, somebody I, mean, I heard somebody saying today, I forget where it was, but you can't simulate. Uh, oh, it was on the Ray Wonderlick podcast. You can't simulate an iPad Mini in terms of size, but I think an iPad Mini is the same as an iPad 2, right? If I'm not mistaken. I think so. I think it's the yeah, it's, the same uh, dimensions. Yes, it's not Retina screen. I mean, so with the smaller, right? you know the resizable simulator in Xcode 9, you could make it smaller if you wanted to see how things looked, you know, <laughs> make it physically the same size as the mini. Right. Yeah. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah, yeah. 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 But, uh, and the, the last one is kind of interesting too, um, in that iOS apps on the Mac are no longer visible in iTunes. And that may have to do with, with changes they made in the store, I think. Right. But that's, that's kind of saddens me, I guess, because, you know, I do, I do occasionally look up, um, I often look up apps on, on, uh, my Mac and, and, you know, read about them on the, on the, uh, in the iTunes store. But, uh, yeah, I do too. I was kind of shocked and disappointed to see that. Yeah. So, yeah. And of course, you know, when you're looking at your own reviews, you want to go and, you know, look at your app and see what your reviews are. And you can you used to be able to switch countries and see what, how you were doing in Germany or whatever as well. Right. But now, um, now that's no longer an option for us, which is sad. I mean, for me, I, I understand the, the loss of utility that you're mentioning there. I've, I feel like Apple could provide those features elsewhere where I'm kind of glad to see that iTunes hopefully will start getting trimmed down because it just became everything in the kitchen sink, like the Homer Simpson car from that one episode episode um sort of thing where you know when they added apple music they added all these other things it just became really difficult to to sort of get a grasp on what was going on at any given time and i think it'll be nice to have some of these things kind of more sectioned off where all right podcasts are over here music is over there you know go to your respective app store on your device to to get get your your apps for that sort of thing you know books can go over here where it's not just you know this one monster app that does everything related to your apple ecosystem Mm mm-hmm so what's your point about yeah. the solution there? Like the fact that there's they're segregating all the different products or? Well, that they're trimming it down and that it, this might be a hint that Apple's like, all right, we're going to address the sort of user oh, experience nightmare that is iTunes. Yeah. yeah, that's true. Yeah. You know, what's interesting is I don't know of a way now to install an ad hoc IPA onto a phone without iTunes. Not, that, know, I've to, not that I've had true. to do that in a long time. Well, we, but... we do it all the time, actually, at, at our, our place. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So how do you do it? Good I don't question. know. That's a good question. So, yeah. so you're saying that we won't be able? You don't think we'll be able? To, like the whole section's gone from? I haven't updated my you, iTunes. Yeah, yet. yeah, yeah. You cannot see. There's no apps, no mention of apps at all in iTunes anymore. Even the file. Remember the file sharing stuff that was through the app section? Right. Oh my God. Yeah. That has its <clears throat> its own entry in the in the uh, the menu on the left. It's just called yeah. file sharing. Yeah. But it has it doesn't it, it, it there's there's no apps page anymore. You, they, you just they're just gone. Okay. It's so gone. when I when I updated to the beta i was telling you about about i used to use this one called one app called air sharing right which i've, I've had on my ipad since the very beginning and i had all my pdfs of all the music i play when i'm sing, singing with a band right yep. um obla di but um when when i updated um my only salvation was that i was able to plug my my uh, iphone 11 device ios 11 device into itunes and go to that the the files menu and pull those files out off the off the the, the ipad right Otherwise, I would have had no way of getting to those those particular things because you know it's sandboxed in the app, which is no longer able to run on the device, right? So that's what you're saying. That whole menu's gone. That whole that whole ability to drop files on and pull them back is gone, right? Now, did well, I get you right? So, there? No. Th- so there is a there is a new entry called file sharing that has the okay. same functionality. But remember that used to be on the apps page. Oh, I see. So it's still there. The, fi- the file sharing part is there. 
but the apps part of God. So remember, there used to be this screen where you could uh, you could see all the apps that you had that you own, and you could brag and drop them onto right. the into the phone, and then sync, and then you'd have all the apps there. And that was right. how you that was how you installed IPAs back in the day. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah. that's completely gone. So so we so we do that all the time now because we're an enterprise uh, yeah. development team, right? We have we have a develop we develop under developer profile, right? Yeah. And when we give builds to QA, we you know we need to put them on a device so we drag them into our own itunes because yeah. i always smoke test my apps before i send them off to qa right so whatever yeah. build i'm working on and i'll i'll install it on my on my device you know and set up the enterprise certificate on the device and then i can test the app and you know check the calls to the server and all that kind of stuff and make sure you know all the all the things that i've worked on are working correctly and i haven't broken anything else right yeah, yeah. um and the same thing with qa because qa uses itunes as well to install their the yeah. apps. So, so I can't say anything about whether there'll still be something for enterprise users. I don't know, but there is no apps category under well yeah. any, anywhere, anywhere. Yeah. So I wonder if the application loader can do it. Remember that old because yeah, maybe it can. Yep. and maybe and maybe there there is um oh, there's a um, um an app management um thing you can go for single users that aren't using MDM and uh, I've forgotten the name of it. I'll remember what it is in a few minutes. But well, that's pretty pretty bad. That's huge huge news for us. Yeah. Um, because I'm sure people are updating at the office are updating their uh, their iTunes as we speak. I looked at the update just before the show and I thought, no way, I've got a podcast to do. Not doing that now, but yeah, no, thanks for the heads up on that. Mm-hmm. So, in the last thing about these 14 things that you may have missed, we I, we didn't talk about all 14, by the way, but but it turns out the iPhone 8 Plus is the heaviest iPhone Apple has made at 202 grams. Don't hurt yourself. That's 7.1 ounces, uh, and the, it's even heavier than the Galaxy Note 8, which comes in at 195 grams. So. That's pretty. I don't know if that really does. It really make a difference. Seven ounces, you think? How much does the uh, smallest MacBook Air? Well, <laughs> <laughs> that's a good. Or an iPad, even right? So yeah, yeah. yeah I don't know. Let, let's go to the let's go to the Apple site and check it out. It's some real time feedback for you people. Look at we look at we look at the links that we go to for you for you listeners. You know to find out these crazy things. That would be under compare, I think. Right? Let's see. iPad. Okay, so the twelve point nine inch iPad Pro comes in at, oh, pounds. So it's uh, 600 and 677 grams. Uh, the iPad for mini. Oh, there still is a mini on the market. I don't know why they said they couldn't see the mini. I mean, um, replicate the mini. That comes in at two two ninety eight um, grams. So it's so it's still lighter than an iPad mini, right? And what was it you wanted to know about the oh, uh, MacBook Air? MacBook Air. It's going to be clearly it, heavier. It'll, yeah. it'll be heavier. Well, here let's look at the, let's look at the MacBook, which is the lightest lightest computer I think they make at the moment. It's so light, it takes so long to load on my screen. Um, these things when they're you know when you're when you're uh, when you're like me and you've got back problems. And you have to carry around heavy, you know, MacBooks in your backpack. These things add up. Like it's noticeable when I'm carrying my iPad 12.9 and my MacBook Air in my backpack. Yeah, let's see. If you were to have a separate bag to counterbalance <laughs> in the front, yeah, yeah. it probably yeah. wouldn't be oh, so bad. You just put your in bag of dongles in the front. Yeah, then I just look like an idiot, right? Okay. Um, hmm. No weight on this thing. It weighs nothing. It the app is so light they don't even bother putting any weight. In. It's you know, what, how can I say it's it's one inch thin? They used to say on that. Uh, ah. Doesn't matter. We'll move on. Moving on. That's a dilly gaff. Okay. Um, what's next? Yeah. So here's a quick follow up on. Um, we talked last. I talked last week about uh, getting your apps ready for 
iPhone 10 by running them in the same layer and seeing what you get. And I had mentioned that, um, and this was based on my actual real world experience, and that was that um, when you run an app that hasn't been size classed or auto layouted, um, it shows up as letterbox. So you get a black bar across the top and a black bar across the bottom. So all of my games and all and that kind of stuff that I've done that, that were basically uh, not done with um, too much auto layout in them are all doing that letterboxing. But I, I watched the video that we talked about on the show last week and the one clue that I missed out on is not all of those apps have a launch screen storyboard. So creating a launch screen storyboard sets the size of your app. So if you do a full size um, launch screen storyboard, all of a sudden your app goes top to bottom full screen. So I did that with, with the one app I was working on and I got, you know, color up into, we had, I mentioned I had color headers that were, you know, 40 pixels and then plus an extra 20 for the status bar. So that floods up into the, uh, into the, um, the notches or the ears, if you will, on the iPhone 10. Actually, it doesn't look too bad in color, by the way, I got to say. So, um, and, and, you know, because most of my app is a table view controller or collection views, they stretch out top to bottom and, and, uh, make, uh, quite a compelling looking app. The only thing I think I noticed on the bottom is maybe a white bar, but, but it does fill up more the vertical height of the app, if you know what I'm saying. And then I went into a couple of other, uh, views and added some auto layout to like the table view. Like I had the table view inside of a container view. So I, I added, um, I think the container view was, um, slightly shorter. Like it was actually set the width of it. So I actually stretched it out by putting auto layout constraints on it. So it would pin to the super view. And then, um, the table views were great. They were fine. And then, you know, the rest of the app and all the menus and things like that behaved like normal. There were some story, some uh, nibs and stuff like that. I still have in the app, um, because I hadn't used storyboards at that point in time that I have to go in and address, but applying a little, uh, first of all, to get the app to fill, so you don't get letter letterbox and just all you need to do is simply add a launch screen storyboard and then uh, apply a little bit of you know pinning with your uh, with um, your uh, auto layout and uh, you don't necessarily have to go into size classes if you're just like dealing with an iPhone app and that kind of stuff but but that's a pretty pretty simple thing to do it wasn't wasn't as yeah. as tough as I thought it would be right so it's still early for me but I, I think I can say that it's not quite that simple. Uh, I have a case where the app is it uses a tab bar controller for the top level, uh, and it's all auto laid out. Right. Uh, but it presents a full screen modal on launch. And play some video, right. and the video in the modal uh, is showing that same white uh, bar at the bottom. That I, th- mm-hmm. I think it's probably the same thing that you're mentioning. Uh, and well, it is, and it's cut off by the notch at the top. That's kind of expected. It, oh yeah, yeah. But that white bar, that white thing at the bottom. I'm not sure what causes that yet. Yeah, I wonder if it's going to hide the because there's a little there's a little white indicator which is like home like, like the home button or home swipe indicator. I'm not sure what the name of it is, but uh, it's like a little. It looks almost like a scroll indicator that sits across the bottom of the of the phone. Yeah, I wonder, yeah. I wonder if it's not white on white and that's going to be ca- cause problems for users or whatever, right? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I wonder if we're going to get a remember that whole status bar light dark fight we used to have with um, iPhone seven or iOS seven uh, and eight. When you know if if you had a dark um you had a dark dark status bar and but the content that was controlled by Apple like the carrier and date and time and battery would be also dark. 
dark and you, you sort of have to wrestle with how to make them light or dark. Right. Yeah. Remember that back yeah. and forth. I wonder if I yeah, had that. It depended the... on what the navigation bar right, color yeah. that was. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, lots, yeah. Of, lots of degrees of freedom. You kids today, you have no idea how hard it was <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> four years ago. <laughs> yeah. I mean, storyboards are a lot better and, and especially auto layout is a lot better now with, with the, the way it's much more intuitive now. They, 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 I think they added back the springs and struts metaphor a couple of years ago, right? So, um, you know, where you can now, now pinning things is a lot easier and things like that, right? So, yeah. Mm. Okay, so uh, Jaime, I guess this is you following up on Face ID or is this Greg? I think that might be Greg, but I can read it. So we had asked about, you know, what's going to happen with Face ID and sunglasses. And apparently Keith Krimble, CEO and co-founder and lead product designer at uh, Yoke Remote, emailed Craig Federighi about this and got a response that uh, uh-huh. that says, most, but not all, um, most sunglasses let through enough IR, uh, infrared light, that Face ID can see your eyes even when the glasses appear to be opaque. So that's uh, that's that, I guess. That's I mean, cool. it, it's not a guarantee for your your particular yeah. sunglasses, but uh, at least there's some hope. Yeah. Yeah. And just another uh, quick note on on the uh, keynote. I read somewhere that uh, Apple said was saying that there were too many faces. I don't think I don't think I put the link in here, but Apple says too many faces uh, ruined its Face ID demo. I guess a lot too many people were looking look, checking out the phone before he went up on stage, and they claim that's why the uh, Face ID um, didn't work on the first phone he picked up, which makes that, sense. It's I analogous guess. to typing in too many wrong passwords and it freezes too, too exactly many fingers thing. stored too many fingers stored i guess yeah yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah I, oh you mean like the the that you have 10 10 attempts you have nine attempts you have seven attempts yeah no I, th- no I think what they were saying was that i think they were trying to imply that too many people had picked it up and tried to you know like and it was trying to learn too many faces to to sort of zero in which you know kind of makes sense but kind of doesn't make sense you know like you would think you put it into a face id mode in order to capture your face Right. Oh, and just a quickie on Face ID. So I had to check the. Uh, um, I checked out the new things that they've added in iOS 11, and they've added a biometry type now in um, the LA context, which is local authentic- local authentication context. And what that does is allows you to check whether the device supports Touch ID or Face ID, and then you can change the appropriate messaging to say, "Would you like to use Touch ID to use this, you know, app?" Or now you can say, "Would you like to use Face ID to use this, this app?" So they added. They've three things to the to the LA context which relate to Face ID. Like we've all we think we said last week and I think they said during the, the announcement that Face ID will work on top of Touch ID. So if you've already in- integrated Touch ID into your app, Face ID will just sort of work out of the box. But the only thing is if you you may need to change your messaging based on the actual physical device itself and and this um, biometry type um, LA biometry type will let you detect which type of biometric authentication you're using. Mm-hmm. Make sense? Well, all right. Um, you want to talk about your wall paper piece there, honey? Oh, yeah. <laughs> this one is definitely going to be in the show notes for those of you driving at home because this only uh, really makes the most sense. So people were talking about embracing the notch on the iPhone 10, and this is a tweet by Ike, who has a uh, a wallpaper here that does just that. And if you're familiar with Sesame Street, and if you know Bert and Ernie, so Bert, the uh, kind of banana yellow looking one, he's got a unibrow, and that unibrow is lined up perfectly with the notch on this iPhone 10 background. 
important. So if you really <laughs> want to show people that you're 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 embracing it, you're I suppose okay, this is yeah, one way yeah. to do that. Yeah, for sure, for sure. All right. And the last piece of follow up we have here is that um, there was a piece written by the folks over at App Annie on uh, retail banking and uh, the mobile banking uh, apps that are out there. And uh, I have to say, I'm proud to say that TD Bank came out as one of the higher scorers in terms of customer satisfaction with the app. I'm not taking full responsibility for that, but because uh, I'm only part of the team. But um, yeah, so uh, just some interesting stats on uh, banking across North America, I believe, you know, because they talk they, they talk about Argentina and Brazil, Canada, of course, and out of the five banks, five major banks in Canada, TD scored number one across the board in terms of satisfaction with customers and, you know, how often they use the app and, and the ratings of it. it, it sometimes I, I wonder, though, if, if uh, how that really fits, because I mean, I don't know how many of us would have um, multiple bank accounts, right? Um, I do, in fact, have, I use three of these apps on, on this list of TD app being one of them. Um, and I have two other branches that I, uh, two other banks I'm affiliated with, but um, just, yeah, I think, uh, you know, a bit of a pat on the back for our team over at TD. What do you think? Thank you. Yeah. Congrats Dave. on that. And the, the first chart they show here is interesting where they show average monthly time per user spent in the top five retail banking apps. And right. they show you know, Argentina, the United States, Mexico, Canada, and Brazil. And they're all roughly pretty close, except for the outlier that's Brazil, where right, yeah. in, what is H1? Is that the first half of 2017? Let's call it first half of 2017. That growth is, in time has gone from, uh, let's call it 16-ish minutes to about 24-ish minutes. That's interesting. And I wonder what's what's driving that. Um, is there some particular change in Brazil's market that made it, um, you know, that's from 2015, first half 2015 to first half 2017 to have, um, you know, nine to 10 ish minutes worth of change is huge. Um, it, Hopefully it's, it's not it makes how long me wonder it takes if, to do a transaction. Yeah. I mean, it could be unfortunate. <laughs> they're just sitting there and they have no choice and there's, there's no branches or something. And, um, right, yeah. uh, or if there's some, been some sort of uh, regulatory change where, okay, well, everybody's required to do this one thing through their bank or something. Uh, I'd be curious about the story behind that. I just say there's some, some large investments by the major Brazilian banks. Um, number of mobile transactions surpassed the number of internet transactions for the first time in 2016. So making mobile bank the number one source of banking in Brazil. So yeah, I, I think I read something like that in relation to, to Canada as well. Um, but yeah, our, our um, one of our um, leaders over there at TD also got quoted in this. Um, where is his name here? Uh, Rizwan. I know him as Rizwan. I don't know him as Rizwan Kef- Keflin. But yeah, Executive Vice President and Chief Digital and Payments Officer at TD Bank was quoted here saying, we're honored to be ranked so highly by our customers as we continue to build a mobile banking experience that enables them to bank where, when, and how they want. It's kind of cool. Yeah, they were talking about the rise of fintech apps, you know, uh, in the United States as being a, another factor for them, comparatively speaking. But anyway, that's enough about TD. What else we got here for follow-up? We covered it. Oh, just one last one by Jaime. Yeah. Um, Swift 4.0 was officially released um, on the 19th. So oh, uh, yesterday. You, you know, you've had access to it before, but now it's uh, it's legit. It's actually 4.0 and you can go off and, and be merry and enjoy the, you know, JSON codable type stuff and multi-line <laughs> string literals and all sorts of great things. Oh, you know, strings are once again collections, so that's good. Yep, yep, yep. So a little bit of refactoring to be done, but not much. Yeah, but from what I can tell, uh, at least from our project, I don't think there as m- there aren't as many of those crazy hits that we saw going from Swift 2 to Swift 3. Um, it, there, there is a little bit of, of handling that needs to be done, but it's not 
it's not quite as uh, dramatic or breaking as it was before. And especially since oh, you have yeah. the option of, of having compatibility mode for that, it's, it's great. Wasn't when you went from two to three, didn't, isn't that when they changed all the error handling and all that? Yeah. Air, well, the error handling yeah. came yeah. in changes. in two. Yeah. Error handling yeah. came in in two swift two, but yeah, and it was okay. all the changing of, yeah, it was a changing of, um, enums instead of being a capitalized, they're now lowercase. There's a whole bunch of things that they did. Um, they changed some of the, uh, sort and sorted took change, places so that messed up people with their work on arrays um it was yeah like i said there was a lot of changes that that kind of were breaking in terms of um they all renamed all the things so you know uh ns user defaults became user just defaults i think and or user defaults uh ns url became url things like that so a lot of little oh, and, changes yeah yeah and things like uh ns url request was a which was a class change yes. url request which was a struct right right yeah yeah i remember that yeah. one yep. yeah yep. number of number of things and that was a you know, that's when everybody's like, oh, my God, you can't use Swift. It's all broken and blah, 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 rather than just going in. But mind you, now we have the ability to refactor. I was actually working on an app um, last night um, that – and it was like, hey, do you want to change this? Do you want to fix this now? Like, So now instead of just telling you there's something wrong in your code, it actually offers a fix-it, right, um, like it would do in, in Objective-C before, right? So – which is nice. You know, now we can actually – we now have the ability to refactor uh, Swift inside of Xcode 9, which is cool. Yep. Which would have been nice for 2.2.3 to 3.0, right? But oh well. All right. So do you want to talk about the big story, which is the watch one, or do you want to talk about the other ones before? Or we talk about the big story and then we'll have let people down with the others. We'll bring them back down to earth with the other ones. Yeah, we can start out with the start out with the controversy and then Okay, here's the controversy. And you guys you guys start with the bad news. Surprised. So you guys haven't heard this yet, eh? So apparently the uh, number one phone in the world number one watch in the world, which is the iPhone or sorry, the Apple Watch, and which is now coming out of series three and they've added LTE in it, can't make phone calls unless there's a phone nearby. So it's a little bit more subtle than that, but that, it, it was confusing as to as to how that worked. So people who were reviewing the units um, were right. wondering, like, what the heck, wh- why am I not able to connect with, you know, with this LTE watch? And right. it ultimately turns out to be some sort of pre-existing bug in Wi-Fi handling, of all things. Oh, really? Okay, yeah. Yeah, so normally the watch is not supposed to try to connect to Wi-Fi that is, um, I forget the term, it's like gated, you know, like if you go to a hotel and it's like, oh, by the way, you have to accept our privacy policy and, uh, you know, put in your room number, that sort of thing. Or even if you go to like, you know, your local coffee shop, they probably have a, okay, by using this, you agree that you're not going to, you know, incite terrorism or something, right? Well, the watch doesn't have a a UI mechanism for you to do that. So it should ignore those sorts of um, endpoints or uh, uh, access points. Apparently there's a bug where it doesn't. And so while you're out there thinking that you should be connected to LTE because you're no longer in your home network, you're no longer uh, with your your phone around, it's like, well, pretty good chance there's a Starbucks or similar sort of thing around you. And it's probably trying to connect to their Wi-Fi. Oh, and right. that's what okay. was preventing because like, oh, I'm not going to use LTE. I'm going to use Wi-Fi because that's you know, better for your battery and, right. and everything. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so that's where it ended up confusing. Like, well, these people who are like, you know, out in the ocean, well, how come they're getting connectivity and I'm not? I'm sitting here in the city. It's like, well... <laughs> Because of this rather unfortunate, you know, egg on your face sort of bug on day one for uh, the LTE 
uh, Series 3 watch. So that's a right, bummer. Right. Yeah, yeah. But apparently the Apple stock uh, dropped by three points, or 3% actually today, which is more than points, right, Mark? Uh, yeah, I, I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, I'd heard the headline that it had dropped uh, pretty significantly based on that uh, that bit of news. Yeah, so I don't know if you guys have, have TV channels that have like uh, streaming uh, news news feeds, or whatever. I guess like CNN does, right? We have a channel here called CP24 where they, you know, they show the local traffic and they show headlines, real brief headlines of, of things that are happening, right? They actually, like, like this actually made the banner on CP24, which is like not, nor- they normally are reserved for things like, oh, Apple announced a new phone today kind of thing, right? Um, so that's significant. Yeah, so Apple was down today 1.68%, mm-hmm. which corresponds to dollars and cents, uh, which is bad, but, you know, it's actually not that bad when you look at the, right. the rest of the uh, certain parts of the market is this, the socks index, which is the semiconductor index, which is just a, you know, an index that says how in general semiconductor companies did, was down 1.68%. Sorry, uh, 1.41%. Apple was down 1.68%. So that's kind of in the noise. Though. Of course, the Dow was up 0.9, and NASDAQ was only down 0.08%. So compared to the general indices, yeah, Apple did much worse. But compared to the socks, which is not exactly the same industry, but a, a fairly related industry, it wasn't actually down that much more than the index. Right. Well, I mean, that's not good. It's good that I may explain the sort of uh, uh, attempt to connect to the Wi-Fi network, but it's kind of embarrassing initially. So I, yeah. I guess since it's a, it's a bug, they can probably fix that. Probably. I mean, they're shipping in two days, right? So yeah, <laughs> they'll be, they'll be up, so, up late tonight. I also saw, saw an article saying that that uh, the iPhone 10 is the, the construction of the, the manufacturing of the iPhone 10 is, is delayed more. Really? So mm. yeah. So so they, that may have something to do with Blackberry as well. Oh, that was a news news item today. Yep. Really? Hmm. Well, you know, we, we did sort of uh, predict a few months ago, actually, when we were talking about all the challenges they were having with this new device and the OLED screens and things like that, that it might, yeah. you know, might be further delayed. You, I think you at one point, point even thought January might be yeah. somewhere where it would end up because it's already, they're already saying, I mean, the, the official announcement is November, first week of November, right? Yeah. When they'll start shipping, but uh, you think it'll be worse than that, eh? Well, that's what this article is saying. But it's if it were January, that would be a, a pretty big disaster for Apple the company. Because when you consider right, right, uh, when you consider that iPhone eight pre-orders are already lower than they would normally be because people are waiting for the iPhone. 10. Well, we assume because people are waiting for the iPhone ten. If the iPhone ten is delayed, you know, if it's well, if it's delayed past the Christmas season, then Apple will get a huge hit on their, on their uh, Q one results. The Q one uh, is the uh, usually. Yeah, yeah. The Christmas season. So if they're down for the Christmas season, that'll be pretty bad for for Apple as a company or shareholders. Yeah, that would be pretty big because as it is, the particular release setup for the iPhone 8 and the iPhone 10 is going to make year over year and you know quarter over quarter comparisons really kind of goofy and difficult. And if you had to accommodate for stretching it out to oh, uh, people weren't getting them until January, that that gets even harder to check. Right. I have noticed that uh, the iPhone 8 sales are. are or orders. I mean, you can tell by how how quickly you could get them, right? Whether they were uh, um, delayed or not, right? Yeah, as far as I can tell, it sort of seems like unless you had your heart on real, one real specific size and color, um, you could kind of if not even bothered staying up late. You could have just woken up at a nice, normal, decent time and, and gotten yeah. it on day one as far as I can tell. Um, and I think that says a lot for how much people are going to look for that iPhone 10. Um, you know, people were wondering because it, it is a pretty significant price, right? We're talking 90 
999 US baseline. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a pretty high ticket yeah. price, but I think regardless of what people think of the notch, if you're getting it, you know, cause you want new fancy like, like me, or you were getting it because it's a, um, a fashion statement as a lot of folks think are, is happening in, um, in China. Like it would not surprise me that, uh, yeah. it'll be pretty big. I think hmm. now, now it doesn't mean that people are actually going to, all these people are going to actually buy that. Term. They might just be take a, a wait and see attitude, see, to see it in person before they actually buy it. And a lot of them might end up buying it for a little plus after seeing it. They might True. It's worth it, True. Or, yeah. but they want to see it first. Well, there is a lot of technology in, in the eight. I mean, it, you're right. It, it is sort of an incremental. It's all, almost an S update from, from the seven line, but, um, and then there's not much, you know, they've added some stuff in for the AR, AR stuff, but the, the jump to the, to the 10 is again, uh, not quite a huge leap either though. Right. I mean, if you're going from a seven to a 10, there's a jump, right? If you're going from a six to a 10, there's a jump, but Huge jump, yeah. yeah, yeah, but not, not, uh, the kind of stepping stones to the eight and then to the, to the 10, right? So, plus, yeah. I well, mean, especially, especially for the six, cause you're, it's that six to six S to seven to 10. Yeah. For the, yeah. For the seven, it's just seven, 10, not seven S to jump. Up. So it may not be as big as, as right. typically, but it's still pretty big. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And that's the, is that the one, that's not the new GPU, right? Or, or is that part of it? It, it does have the new GPU one. Yes. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yep. That was, that was the one we're talking about last week. Yep. 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 But, but the iPhone 8 has that as well. They all, have, they all have the same chip. Right. Right. And then the, and the iPhone 8 also has the, the new, um, uh, IR sensors that you know, split or spread over your face and do the highlighting and that kind of stuff, right? Um, uh, the 8 just, Plus yeah. does. I'm not sure the 8 does. I don't know. Right. No, no. Yeah. We yeah. talked about that a lot. Yeah, we're, yeah. Greg and I were going back and forth on that last week. It's the 8 Plus has got the more advanced camera Cameras. technology. Yeah. Right. Yep. The new, the new yep. portrait mode and the, as well as the, the existing portrait mode, as well as the new fancy smancy mode, which I can't remember the name of right now. <laughs> yep. All right. Okay. So, so the, so the big differences between the eight plus and the, and the 10, well, other than the size of the screen is the OLED screen. Right. And, uh, and face ID. And the notch. And the notch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you have to pay more money to get the notch. That's right. All right. Um, certain- notch technology. <laughs> yeah for sure um so Jaime, you got something for us uh, about kaleidoscope yes um somebody out there might be familiar with that particular black pixel app it is uh something that i've used in the past on the mac although i must admit i've not used it as recently it's probably been a couple of years but now they have this app available for the ipad on ios 11 which i thought was kind right. of interesting and i thought what what sense does that make and i said oh wait a minute hold on now we have this whole files app and everything is is integrated so uh, more seamlessly. I was like, oh, maybe I should throw something into like Dropbox or uh, iCloud Drive and, you know, cause differences to occur and see how this works. Because it's, I remember their, um, their textual difference engine was pretty good, but I really loved the visual difference where you could sort of just like swipe back and forth and see, you know, what was the difference between this image and this other image or this PDF and this other PDF. Oh, right, right. So I think mm-hmm. that was, uh, that's, that's pretty cool. It's nice to have an option like that. It's, uh, it's got a free trial um that you can use uh, for like 14 days and then after that like with limited functionality and then i forget the pricing uh, after you purchase this is it on ios they have a trial yes i yeah, mean it's a, look at that wow it, it's a 
effectively a trial. I think it gets through because you you can continue to use the app, oh, the but like with a with right. a degraded right. functionality, right? I think it's full functionality for like fourteen days, and then it goes back. To oh, interesting. Like limited functionality, and I, I don't so, off the top of my head know what that functionality difference is. But you know what? That's that's pretty huge because I mean that's one of the things that the, one of the complaints that the indies have had for the longest time is that we've not had the ability to do trials or or that kind of stuff, right? So that's an interesting approach. I'm, I'm surprised, yeah, that Apple let that one through. Um, yeah, I've used Kaleidoscope, Kaleidoscope in demo mode on um, on the Mac OS because we had one developer who wanted to get it for us, right? Um, so we checked it out and, I, you know, I used it for the month or two weeks or whatever I had it for. But um, so you you have used it and you think it was a decent tool, I mean? Yeah. Um, I don't know. There's, there's all sorts of different ones that, that people will use, um, you know, for visual diffing, like, you know, like seeing what differences were between these two bits of text or this, uh, you know, this version of the code versus that version of the code. Um, kaleidoscopes I thought was pretty good. I felt like it was a whole lot easier to understand. Um, not necessarily for, oh, this, this thing is different than that thing for normal sort of, oh, I've added code, I've deleted code. Right. Yeah. I found it more valuable during, uh, merge conflicts from like, yeah, uh, right. what happened here and, and other, uh, ones, like especially the file merge that's within, uh, built into Mac OS is, is functional, but it's like, it's so painful when you have merge conflicts where, you know, this part of the file was moved completely to a different location and stuff right, was like yeah. refactored and renamed. And I felt like, um, a couple of years ago, Kaleidoscope was much better at that. And I'm sure with two years hence of, uh, of development, it's probably even better now. Yeah. It's funny, you know, ever since I went to the touch bar Mac at work, I haven't been able to get the file merge to open at all. I don't know what it is, but maybe I've got too many copies of Xcode running or something, but it just doesn't run at all on my, on my uh, touch bar Mac, which is weird. Right? Yeah, that is weird. Yeah. So I, I mean, I use BB edit, but I, you know, I don't mind the, the, uh, I use the, uh, compare, um, inside of Xcode too, but yeah, but it would be kind of interesting to see it on, on images and stuff like that. I knew that Kaleidoscope supported that, but I hadn't really sort of seen the, uh, the diff, the diff as it were, right. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. between one image and another, and another. Cool. That's neat. Um, and you had one more here. Yeah. Oh, this is really cool. Yeah. So we've talked about neural networks and, and using machine learning, deep learning to do things. This is a really cool, um, paper, academic paper and website, which is, which is even better because it makes it less abstract by uh, a set of individuals from the university of Nottingham in in the UK. And it, the, the paper is called large pose 3d face reconstruction from a single image via direct volumetric CNN. That's convolution, convoluted convolutional neural network, I think uh, regression. And the basic thing of it is like, you can take a face, like a picture of somebody's face, just dead straight on. And it will create a 3d extrusion of that face. And they've got some examples of folks that you would probably recognize, uh, like Alan Turing, Grace Hopper, Marie Curie, Elijah Wood, and Barack Obama. And it's kind of scary when, when you click through and see things like how well it does that extrusion, like from just a single straight on image of somebody, uh, as they note in their paper, this doesn't require, uh, multiple photos from different angles of the person to create, you know, like a video game style 3d mesh. And so I was really impressed that it could do this sort of thing. Yeah. It's amazing. I'm playing with Elijah Wood's face right now. And I looked at Barack Obama earlier. It's interesting. You can do You can use your own face as well, but the, apparently it says the queue is full. So I guess a lot of people are trying this right now. Yeah. They've got a throttling mechanism. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, there's even a couple of faces where, or, where, uh, one where a woman's got her, her mouth open in a big, you know, ex, uh, expression of, whoa, right. Kind of thing. And yet when you blow that up, it, it works out well too. And there's another one here where the kid's having his, you know, you know, you take a, an air hose and you blow it at somebody's face and 
and their cheeks blow up, right? Mm-hmm. Or inflate. So they've got a kid doing that with his eyes all squished shut. And um, yeah, it looks it looks pretty convincing. But it, like, it, it's interesting. I, I kind of want to check it against a real profile. But like somebody like Barack Obama, who's very recognizable to a lot of us right now, um, and Elijah Wood as well. When you click on them, I'm not sure if it's the coloring of the map, like because you're doing like a you know like you mapping you map the the color image onto the onto the 3D texture texture mapping I guess they call it right that's what they call it um, if that's fooling us into thinking it's a really good rendering or or if it's uh, really interesting I, I'm curious to see like a side profile to see if the nose and the chin and and lips and forehead are are at the right perspective but but it is awfully convincing I'm I'm kind of thinking like you know I wonder what it would look like if they took an entire um, if they could do an entire image like this or or is this primarily using facial recognition I guess no, I, right? I think it's probably very similar to what ARKit is doing where it, it just if you imagine having so what ARKit can do is, is take a 2D uh, 2D representation of something and, and build a 3D map of it by by moving uh, moving across the moving with respect to the, the 2D image and taking a bunch of pictures of that 2D image as it moves and since it knows how much it moves uh, it, it knows how the perspective of that picture should change as you move so it's able to build a 3D rotation of that. So this is kind of the same thing, where, except you're taking one image and you're moving the image around. So instead of you moving with respect to the 2D plane, you're moving the 2D plane with respect to you. Right. And so, and since since you know how much you move plane, you can you can reconstruct the image in the same way, the 3D image in the same way. Very cool technology. Yeah, just gonna try to get with the glasses on, see how that one looks. Yeah, I'm 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 pretty impressed with this. I, I tried my own uh, kinds of images on here. Um, for those of you who may be wondering, as they state here, um, and again, I say this with caveats because people can state anything, but I don't believe there's any malice <laughs> here, right? But 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 you know, buyer beware, sort of thing. Um, it says here that images and 3D reconstructions will be deleted within 20 minutes. They will not be used for anything other than this demo. I have no right. way of knowing if that's true, and our normal caveats about once it's on the internet. Uh, it can never truly mm-hmm. be deleted. Um, yeah. So I tried it with uh, not my own face because I was... Uh, oh, so you used my having... face, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was like, oh, let me see with Tim's face. It's fine. Um, I tried a, a sample with uh, Steve Jobs and Taylor Swift. And oh, was, nice. Uh, yeah. was pretty pleased with those. Yeah. There are clearly some limitations to it because if you, if you do look at the guy with glasses, their sample image... Right, yeah, it doesn't the work. The glasses kind of wrap around his face. They don't intrude from his face in the way that glasses normally would. Right, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's funny. When, same thing was true when when I did my um, a couple of years ago when I when I was getting my 3D printer. I went to a, a course and um, they had they were scanning us with with the Xbox Connect, right, to make a 3D model of us, which is why I have a model of myself wearing my hat. Um, but I had to take my glasses off because they couldn't. The glasses kind of didn't really get captured in the scan, right? So maybe a similar thing here, like the fact that it can't really extrapolate where the glasses where the Pain of the glass, plane of the glasses would be in this particular image, right? So, so it's just working on the on the. I think you know what it knows about how faces are constructed in terms of the the you know what what's in the neural network and how they can build out these uh, these characters, right? So really cool stuff, man. It's it's, it's like mind blowingly interesting, right? Like you waste a lot of time. Like I'm going to look at Alan Turing here and see who he looks like. I've even got him in perspective, three quarter perspective. Neat, neat and creepy all at the same time. That's cool, Jaime. Mm-hmm. All right. Um. So uh, let's. Do 
do some picks. So, Hamid, do you have some picks? I do. Uh, a couple of related picks from the same source. This is from the folks at Paint Code. You might know them as the ones who have that tool that lets you... Well, I guess it started out as letting you draw things and it, you know, sort of like a illustrator sort of style. And then it would generate the source code for that. So you could, um, before we had vector images as something you could have natively supported in iOS, you could have this as a way to have um, graphics, you know, glyphs and everything that would expand however much you want because you could just, you know, change the factors that were, were being used to create that thing. Um, in any case, they've created, or at least I should say, they've updated their ultimate guide to iPhone resolutions to include the iPhone 10. Uh, of course, they have the 8 and 8 Plus models in there, but those are the same as their, their predecessors. So if you were really wondering, like, wait, how many points is the iPhone 10? It's like, well, it's 375 by 812, which renders into pixels as 1125 by 2436. And it's kind of cool that they show how that compares to, let's say, like the Plus models, which have their own point rendering that turns into pixels, but then gets downsampled, as we know, um, down to uh, 1080 by 1920, which throws all sorts right. of weird things mm. off, right? And, and so it's it's really cool to see these side by side and see um, how things work, especially because you can see all the way back to um, the original iPhone set up with 320 by 480 points and see how that, that would have rendered and, and what the physical device looks like. So I'm confused, just, just as an aside here. So they've got the iPhone 2G, the iPhone 3G and 3GS. So the original Gorilla Silverback, you know, um, iPhone, that was the iPhone Edge, right? Is that the 2G or was That's there the one 2G. before that? The, the quote iPhone 1, the original iPhone was the 2G. Oh, I see. Right. So the second generation of cellular yeah. technology, right? Right. Because Edge, mm-hmm. Edge was, was a 2G technology. Oh, I get it. Right, right, right. And then uh, 4 was LTE, I think, right? That wouldn't oh, be until the iPhone 5. Well, 5 yeah. was LTE? LTE. Okay. okay. Yeah. yeah, so the 4 wasn't 4G. It was just the 4. The model. 4. Oh, okay. So it was still 3G? Okay, right. right. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. So we never had an iPhone 1. Well, we did, technically, right? <laughs> yeah, I don't believe the, I, the original iPhone was ever called the iPhone 2G. G, but right. they are saying that in this document, but I don't think that was ever the official name. But it was just the iPhone back then. Yeah, so it's interesting. But now, now you know, we were sort of talking about the naming of whether this this uh, phone should have been 6s or 7 or 7s or whatever, 8s or 8 regular 8. Um, but the fact that we never had an iPhone one or uh, kind of threw off the numbers right from the get go, right? Well, we did the, have an iPhone one. They just didn't call it one. Did, it was called it was, iPhone. But they didn't call it 2G either, though, right? By that, same, they did not call it 2G. So there was no iPhone two then. You know, or right. The the second iPhone the two was the 3G. was the three G. Right, and right. then the third right. iPhone was the three GS. Right, right. And then we had four, and, then and they threw us all off back at, with the three GS by adding the S at the end. That was a new thing. Though. Right, yeah. And then they did the same thing with four and the five yeah. and the six. And six. And now they've changed again. They, they didn't do that with the seven. So is this this really is the iPhone 10 then I guess coming out. Hmm? So they played it fast and loose because the iPhone 5 is not the fifth model, it's the sixth model. Right, right. And right, I remember right. that being a huge discussion after the iPhone 4S uh, came out, which everybody thought was yeah. going to be the iPhone 5, turned out to be the 4S and then the 5 and did you add them 1 2 3 4 5 6 So wait, so this is actually the 11th one, isn't it? I'm counting right. Uh all right, let's see here. iPhone so the one was a 2G, mm-hmm. the second one was a 3G, the third one 
one was their GS. Mm-hmm. The fourth one was the four. Fifth one was the four S. Mm-hmm. Sixth one was the five. Mm-hmm. Seventh one was the five S. Okay. Eighth one would have been the six. Ninth one would have been the six S. Yeah, I was going to say twelfth. Yeah. Tenth, tenth one would have been the seven. So mm-hmm. the eleventh one would be the would be the iPhone. Well, eight. eight or eight or ten. I mean, depending on how you count. Right. Yeah. Wait. What? I think so. The iPhone ten is not the twelfth phone. Well, I mean, it, you know, which one is the eleventh and which one is the twelfth is debatable. Which oh, is I see. Right. Ten. Right. 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 It's not. I mean, technically, yeah. I guess the eight is coming out first, so I suppose that yeah, that should be the eleventh one. And that's not even including all the pluses or the SE for that matter. That's true. That's true. Well, but they, did they did they come in incrementally or they came in at the same time or no? So the pluses came at the same time as the base models. So seven and seven plus. Yeah. 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 Six and the six plus. So I wasn't counting those in the next uh, progression. Yeah, because if you count the five C and the and the SE, then there's right. I didn't count the five C either. Even more models. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think I would, in in terms of doing that lineage, I would choose things like the 5C, the SC, sorry, the SE, uh, and the plus models as being sort of uh, variants or side yeah. stories. And the main line yeah, yeah. being uh, 6, 7, 8, even though it comes out roughly the same time as the 10, is sort of uh, well, how that works. But you also have the 6S and I'm sorry. Yes. Yes. And the S yeah. models as well. Right. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So that makes perfect sense, especially with what Microsoft is doing. They can call it the iPhone X1 next year, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or the Just... iPhone LC for the low cost version. Yeah. 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 Who knows? They, they started this with the Mac, right? Wasn't it Mac 2 and then Mac 2X? Or was it Mac 2FX I'm thinking of? Well, there were there were tons of different varieties of Macs, yeah. Of the Mac 2, weren't there? There was like the 2i and the 2S. Well, yeah, well there was the Mac 2. Mac 2 which I owned one of those back in the day. Then the, the I think there was a Mac 2X, but I may be wrong about that. But there definitely was a CX, yep. Mac 2CX, Mac 2CI. Um, and then I think they moved to the Quadras after that, didn't they? Yeah, Quadra 700, Quadra 950, there was, there 900 the, and the 950, yeah. And there was, there was the Mac Classic and the Mac LC, I think, and the LC and, and SC, there was an SC as well, right? Yeah, yeah. Was, that was the office the office versions. Like the, the LC was like the, the height of a pizza box, right? Right. Yeah, Carol had one of those that when she worked at one place. It was really, really sad. And then, then they started getting into these, like they had the 5100 and the LC, they had an LC. Well, so, that. yeah, so after yeah. the after the, the Quadra, that was the last 68,000 chip, I think. So with the power, when the power PCs came out, that was the 6100, 7100, 8100. Yeah, no, no, the LC, but the LC and the, the LC, yeah, the, the 7100 was the first, so yeah, 6100, 7100, I have a couple of those here too. Those yeah. are the first power PCs, right? Right. Or, yeah, right. but the because the SC there was a VI and a VX too for a while too, right? Those lasted about six months. I think they're the short six or eight months. They're the shortest living max that they made mm. back in the day, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. yep. yeah, somewhere I have documentation. I have books that have all this stuff listed in it because we used to have to carry these books around to try and explain to people which Mac they should buy, right? <laughs> yeah. And then I think after the those that first Apple round of Power Max, yeah. After that first round of Power Max, I think Power PC, right? The uh, uh, the next one was the original iMac, the colorful. One. Right, the one that came, you know, it's the all-in-one that, that looked like a yeah, the Bondi v- blue one, yeah, yeah, Bondi like a VT one hundred terminal, but came yeah. in all sorts of different colors. Well, the Bondi blue was the first generation, and then and the next one was the the one where they did the Stone song. She comes in rainbows or whatever. Right, right, right. Yep. She comes in yep. colors, right, like yep. a rainbow. Um, because they had the yep. tangerine, they had the the lime, strawberry, and blueberry. Not blueberry, uh, grape. But they never had the Mac lemon, which I thought was interesting. Well. <laughs> <laughs> probably probably wise 
Yeah. <laughs> they didn't want to make the uh, the Nova mistake. Nova. Do you know about that one? No. So you know the car, the Chevy Nova, right? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. That was that was a pretty big hit in the U.S., but but it never it never sold well at all in Mexico, and they finally figured out why because Spanish Nova in Spanish means doesn't go, <laughs> no go. Oh, really? <laughs> so don't buy it. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. nobody bought it. Really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting thing. Yeah. I think that's a true story. It could be an urban legend, but I think it's a true story. Well, it's true. Hmm. Nova. Hmm. Yeah. Those were pretty sweet rides back then. Yeah. 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 And then they got into the G3s and the G4s and G5s. And- right. So for comparison's sake, and I guess, I don't know, if you wanted to like print this out or bookmark this, so if you ever have to reference it, this is a good one. As well, the other link we'll have in the show notes is oh, right. a link that talks specifically about the iPhone 10. Uh, it repeats the, you know, the physical versus points-based sort of system and how that lays out. But it also covers the iPhone 10 cutout or the, for the notch. And what you know, the sizing of that and the the radius points for the different curves that make up that notch. Right, right. So you can plan your layouts that way accordingly, I guess. Yeah, and I don't have it in front of me. I'll have to see if I can dig it up. But I have seen somewhere it was either Twitter or Facebook. Somebody had a a notch UI concept that was kind of right. Yeah, kind of where, cute. where you, you pulled down the UI and it had like a menu all in black. Yeah, yeah. It would just yeah, like yeah. slide out of there. It seamlessly slide out of there, which I thought yeah, was interesting. Yeah. yeah, but it's interesting the rationale behind this. Apparently, the notch is thirty points high as opposed to the status bar which was only 20 points high right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a little cutout uh, geometry uh, thing with the radiuses of the circles and stuff yeah so it's got uh, rounded corners at the bottom too is that no well, I guess it's the same as the other screens right yeah, yeah I don't know if it's yeah. the same the same radius for that rounding um, well I mean they have rounded screens on the other phones but the other phones don't the, the actual screen uh, display doesn't go down into the curve right whereas this in this phone it will uh, I see what you mean so I have Having, right. um, like a rounded soft edge to it rather than a hard um, yeah. angular edge. Yeah. Now, do you think that's definitely because of the Android phones that are out there in terms of how they're they're sized? Because um, they have like full screen displays, right? I or mean, they maybe. Have, like, a bar um, across I, the bottom? Yeah, and I, I wouldn't doubt that there is some influence. We've certainly seen stuff coming out of Samsung and um, I think LG has a, a bezel-less device. Um, the Essential isn't phone. The, the Pixel phone Rubin is edge to edge as well, right? Isn't it? I don't think the Pixel no or the Pixel 2, which just leaked today. I don't believe that as an edge-to-edge screen, from what I recall. Um, but there's a lot of folks trying to get into this because it's it's almost like, why would you even want bezels, right? Like the reasons you might normally want bezels would turn out to be things like, oh, well, because what if I, I'm touching the screen? It's like, well, that's what the palm rejection is for, right? Like, it's not like you would want anything other than, um, I think it's from Iron Man 2, Tony Stark's sort of piece of plastic or glass that's completely right. see-through acrylic? and yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah is, is acrylic um, sort of phone it's like yeah when you when you boil it down to what do i really need here i just i need a screen um, I, all these other things like if you could let's say you could hide the the ir detection and face detection stuff inside of the glass well then the notch would go away and you would have an, an edge-to-edge screen one day probably within the next five years i think but uh, but not today <laughs> well that's where the google glass is trying to go too to sort of have like a screen that sort of hovers in front of your face and i've seen concepts where like 
somebody's wearing a watch and it project and the idea is it projects a UI onto your forearm, you know, mm-hmm. so you interact with it there. So but, yeah, uh, like if anybody's seen the um, the Netflix movie What Happened to Monday, they have a concept where people are using mm-hmm. like their hands as the phone UI, like it's displayed somehow through magic technology, magic on their hands. Really? Huh. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, I guess that's it for another week. So hey, Jaime, if people want to get a hold of you, how they do that? The best way is on Twitter. I'm at Dev with a hair. And Mark, if people want to get in touch with you. First way is markr at snapsoft.com or at snapsoft. All right. And as I said, top of the show, I am Tim Mitra, T-I-M-M-I-T-I-A on Twitter is the best way to get a hold of me. And until next week, we'll see you later. Bye. 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 And thus ends another episode of More Than Just Code. This is friend of the show, Katie. And another friend, Jesse. We hope that you enjoy the show as much as we do, including the parts about code. And also the parts about more than code. If you want to find out more about the show, you can visit the More Than Just Code website at mtjc.fm. There you can find a summary and show notes of each episode, with links to the items talked about on the show, as well as links to the apps on the App Store. If you like the podcast, please leave a comment on the website. And if you can, please rate the review on iTunes. If you're listening on Overcast, go ahead and press the recommend button. All of these things help others find out about the show, and we really appreciate your help with spreading the word. The show is also on Twitter and Facebook, the Twitter account being MTJC underscore podcast. You can also support the show by pledging any amount on Patreon.com slash MTJC. That's what we do. Thanks for listening with us. Let's either have the same amount of fun or more next time. All right, that was fun. Another week in the dust in the books. I thought that one went pretty well. Yeah, no, yeah, kind of flowed. Flowed pretty. We had a lot to talk about this time. So that's true. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. We didn't dig. We didn't dig into to Greg's uh, iPhone or Apple Care Plus. But it's interesting though that you know. So I don't know if you saw on Twitter. Um, shortly after we did the show, I posted a a, um, a Twitter poll, and I basically he complained about my phrasing. Right. So let me see if I can find that one. Um, yeah, not- <laughs> I saw a little bit of that that back and forth. Like Greg's was very neutral. Right, it's like Apple Car, Apple Care. Basically, yes or no with some variants on yes. So, Yours, uh, your family's in danger. Are you going to protect them? No, was how was sort of written. Strict. Hang on. Yeah, it's funny. It's funny though. You know, I did. I once did a marketing poll with with a, a company that you know that I was at half PC, half Mac, and uh, the owner of the company came to me one day and just out of the blue said, "We've decided we're going to move all of us, our people, over to Macs." Right, and so I did a poll and I and I sort of asked the questions and I sort of said you know which which platform do you use you know do you use mac or pc and then you know then i asked questions like do you ever find that your um your ability to serve customers is, is affected by how long it takes to do things on your computer and like you know do you ever find that you know it takes a long time to get something done and and basically it came back with all the mac people said oh we had never have any problems you know there's ah there's things that happen but nothing great but the windows users were all saying this is back in the windows xp days and they're all saying you know oh yeah constantly have to wait for files or 
or waiting for things to happen or hard drives to open up and blah, blah, blah. And it was like, you know, it was a lot of pain to use a PC at the time, right? And uh, when I when I presented the, the results of the poll to the to these guys, mind you, they're in marketing, right? So they, they should know. They, they do they write these polls for, for a living. They said that my my questions were all leading questions, right? Um, I mean, I was just writing questions that, that were based on, on what the feedback I'd gotten from people anyway, right? Um, but it was interesting, though, about the results of these two polls um, is, uh, so So the, my second question was, you know, the, the new iPhone models are expensive. Would you project your investment was how I asked it. And this was the this was the director's cut because, you know, the studio didn't like the way I asked the question. And it's interesting because and in my first poll, some people replied to me directly saying that they their insurance com- company covers, they have like a rider where they cover their, their devices that way, right? So in my poll, you know, 10% were covered by either Visa or insurance and the rest 29% were using AppleCare, right? And then the rest said I'll take I'll take the risk, right? No big deal, right? Um, which is fine. Um, in my other poll, which was the the one that was worded questionably, right? And I'll read you what the wording was and you can tell me whether this is questionable. Let me just find it. Hang on, it's coming. It's coming. Um, wait, so there's there's a ver- I'm I'm reading the version you have linked to the notes. There's a version that says hashtag theatrical cut. There's a version that's more leading the witness. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, l- l- let's uh, l- let's hear that one. Anyway, like like I said, uh, but as I said during the show, this this whole thing got blown out of proportion because I was talking about the increase in price was my point, not whether you should buy AppleCare or not. And actually, as I said before, I think I said earlier in the show that the reason I bought AppleCare was because of BendGate, right? Um, hang on, I'm just trying to find it here. I could just find Greg's and go back. I just Twitter is so hard to use sometimes. Let's see. That's why I don't use it. <laughs> <laughs> I found one year ago. Dark Matter got canceled. Oh. Yeah, I'm disappointed by that. Are you? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh well, oh, it, well. Here's here's another. Before we get off this Twitter poll thing, I so I don't know if you saw this one thing. I, I I said today I learned with a small data set you can totally fake a Twitter poll, and then I went ahead and faked the, the results. Right, and my question, my my choices were no way, yes, it's true, and the third one was inconceivable. Right, and I forgot to set the I could have set the, the time period for a really short time. Well, so here's my point. I have currently six Twitter accounts. Right, I have my personal account, and one for the po- one for each podcast. I have one for my company. Um, I have another one for another company. So in other words, I have access to five votes on a poll, right? So if I want to fake a poll, I just have to go in there and vote with my own, you know, so I, I voted for one inconceivable and four, yes, it's trues, right? And so, and I, and I could publish that and to- people could totally say, well, he's clearly got, you know, the results of the expected. So you can totally game this this whole Twitter poll thing. Just I'm just saying, right? <laughs> it's not a scientific... You could, uh, you could even say that your Twitter poll had the largest turnout of any Twitter poll in history. If you wanted to. That's true. I could. <laughs> I could. Yeah, Especially say that it does so i am looking at the stats here so um be that as it may uh your poll the theatrical cut has 21 votes yeah greg's, greg's has, has 600 or something right uh 183 180 um, yeah, it was so i don't think he did the like tweet deck sort of uh route um no 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 but, it's not but, inconceivable that he might have like a botnet okay. somewhere that he could use true, to true. sway opinion however way he wants but uh, i don't true, think but greg's but that sort of person so i, I think but it's let's, let's, let's i know I, i'm not saying he i'm not saying he gamed it no, 
what I what I what I find is interesting though, out of those 182 responses he got, wait for it, um, 19% said so. 14% said yes, they do buy uh, AppleCare for iOS devices. 19% said yes for Mac because he wanted to know whether you buy AppleCare in general, right? Um, and the third one, his third quote was was people 21% buy yes. So 46% said no, they don't bother with it, right? So yeah, he said 53% do buy some kind of AppleCare. So point taken by me, I believe, right? People do care about their their products, right? And they're willing to willing to protect them, right? I mean, like, I mean, I even, even like a Gallup exit poll would have like a plus minus three percent. So okay, 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 whatever. <laughs> I, I, I call my, it a draw on this one <laughs> what, for his particular poll. I mean, it it, his, it it might as well be fifty fifty on his poll. Yeah, I mean, you, but you his add, point was that people weren't people don't buy it or people shouldn't buy it. That was what he said. You open a savings account and put your money in a savings account, right? That was his point. So um, I think but, I think we should separate out his advice from what do people actually do, which is different. Right. Okay. Okay. So, but I, yeah, I just I mean, want to, po- I just want to point yeah, out that the, the results of elections don't always uh, come out in the way that they ought to. Right. 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 That's true. That's true. That's yeah. Right. Yeah. I can't imagine, can't imagine an example of that though. Um, yeah. But yeah. I was going to say that, so I have, I have an, a 12.9 inch uh, iPad pro, right. Which, as I said before, like I've already said that my iPhone six plus is, is wobbly and hard to hang on to. And I, you know, hard to pull out of your pocket and, and it takes two hands to handle this phone in most cases, right? Uh, uh, by the way, reachability is gone too. I don't know if you guys heard that, right? Uh, reach- yeah, you can't. Well, there's no home button. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> right. So how are you going to tap sure. on the home button to get reachability? Yeah, 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 you're right. Anyway, yeah. so, so, um, but my iPad Pro 9.12.9 inch, it's so big, right? That if you, if you put it down on the edge of a desk, you have to really be careful how you put it down because if it's on a slight angle at all, it's like, it's like Greg's neutron star. It has, it gets attracted to gravity all the time. I've, that thing has fallen off my desk, been knocked over by Mac, you know, probably five or six times, right? And it's, it's big enough that you know, I worry that it'll dent itself or, and it's, you know, what did we just say? It was like, you know, uh, pounds. It was like 1.6 pounds. Um, I'm constantly worried that it's going to smash. So of course I put Apple care on the thing, but I didn't pay $240 for $249 for Apple care for my iPad pro either. So, okay. So that's, so that's now the relevant question. So yeah, does the increase in price of Apple care change the equation for you of whether it's worth it to buy Apple Care. Yeah, you know... That's a tough one. That's a tough one, isn't it? It is. It is. But, but, but the reason... So here's the thing. It's like when, when Apple Care Plus first came out, I was I was like, Greg, I was skeptical. And I and people would say to me, should I buy Apple Care? And I would go, no, don't worry. Like, don't bother. It's, it's just for two years. Like, first of all, Apple Care on a Mac is, extends the warranty to three years. So that seems to be reasonable because most people will keep a Mac about three years, right? Um, a phone, like, you know, has a one-year warranty, as he said, before out of the box, but it extends by paying more money, you extend the warranty to two years, right? Which isn't, you know, a great length of time, except for the fact that people do flip over their phones. But um, the fact that it covers two accidental damages, like, you know, I can't tell you the number of people I've seen in in around, right? How many people do you know walk around with smashed phones? Like the, the screen's all, you know, they, they dropped it or it's cracked or, or completely shattered and they can't afford a new phone. So they, they just continue to use it with a cracked screen. 
I know a yeah. number of people like that, right? Yeah, I know plenty of people who do that. Sure. Mm-hmm. And and there's lots of small businesses that have cropped up where they'll put a Chinese, you know, screen on for you. But but you're still looking at, you know, $100, $150 to get a screen replaced, right? I mean, Apple, what, I think when the iPhone first came out, they weren't really too thrilled about re- replacing screens. And so it was expensive. It was a couple of hundred dollars. But they've come down in, in terms of what they charge now. And so, so with the jump in Apple Care's price, plus the, as we mentioned uh, from that, what, 14 Apple announcements link, the yeah. repairs themselves got more expensive. Yeah. Uh, yeah. D- does that, to, to Mark's question there, does that change the calculus for you as to whether it's crossed the line on um, worth it or not worth it? And again, it's all you're buying is one extra care, one extra year of warranty, plus the whole, the ability to talk to somebody at Apple for two years, right? Um, Apple Care Plus, yeah, send your cover, a coverage to two years from the original purchase date of your iPhone and adds up to two incidents of accidental damage coverage, each subject to a service fee of $29 for screen damage or $99 for any other damage. What? <laughs> so my head jack stops working. I got to pay 99 bucks to get that fixed. Um, plus app- app- applicable tax, right? And you get 24-7 priority access to Apple experts via chat or phone. Um, so, and also Apple Care. the other thing about Apple Care is, is you can use it anywhere in the world. So if I buy a phone here in Canada and I go to, you know, to Germany and, and you know, it, drop it in the toilet and then take it to Apple in Germany and say, blah, 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 they will fix it under the same warranty that I have here in Canada, right? So, or United States or what have you, right? So yeah, that's um, decent. But but yeah, like the 245, like again, it's like, you know, we're already spending a ton of money. Does does one extra year of warranty make it worthwhile? Well, the other the other point too is I haven't investigated my own, like, because the one point about the, the one gentleman pointed out was that yeah, he was able to add a rider to his insurance policy and it wasn't very much. I think it was like, like a $5. home insurance policy or something like on, on valuables and goods inside of your house. Yeah, it's a thousand dollars. Plus also if you like I buy I buy on my uh, my my fancy smancy points uh, visa cards, right? The platinums and the golds, they also have extended war they also have uh, insurance. I think I think one time I missed a flight, um, my flight got canceled coming back to Toronto and I had to get a hotel room in um, it was one of the one of the times I went down to Washington for RWDevcon and I so I contacted uh, RBC, which is where my visa card was with, and they said, Yeah, sure, you're covered, you know, flight delay or accidental cancellation policy on your card because because I booked a flight with that card and I was able to get back the cost it cost me for like one meal plus the, you know whatever travel expenses I had to the hotel and plus the hotel itself, right? So um, that was good. So I mean, like, yeah, so it, that's the other thing too. Is if you, and then I'm, I am going to buy, well, see, here's the thing though. If I buy my, if I buy my, um, my phone through, through Rogers, right, then I don't get any, I don't get any perks because, because then the whole Visa card thing doesn't kick into place, right? But if I buy it outright with a Visa card, then that's a different story, right? And it's covered by that policy. Right. As well, I mean, can't you, also, can't you pay for it with your Visa card and buy it from Rogers? Huh? No, because they just put it on your bill, right? So, oh, oh, oh. yeah, yeah so as a recurring charge as opposed to an outright yeah. purchase. Is what well, I no, they, they actually, yeah. they actually do lump it all at once. But so the other thing too is Rogers subsidizes the phone. Like, like my six plus or Carol's phone, right? I think I had to pay $400 for Carol's phone, but she got the, you know, the i7 red one last year, right? Um, so it was like a seven, $800 phone. 
that she, you know, so it's sub, she has to stay with Rogers for two years, pay that off, right? But what's interesting though is like here's a here's a funny thing about this, and I, I guess I should call Rogers and say, hey, what the f, right? Um, so my six plus has been paid for for you know over over two years now, right? Because I've mm-hmm. had it for no, I guess one year now, right? So so I'm still paying the same amount of money for my phone, but which was supposed to be quote unquote air quotes here subsidized. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe the best it. way to to help folks along with this is is to ask themselves one question, like if you're gonna buy the phone outright yeah and assuming there's no subsidy of any sort anywhere do you find the 999 or in my case 1149 uh, iphone 10 to be worth it and if the answer is yes then you can psychologically say all right should i get apple care or not well i have this existing phone that i can resell and recoup the cost that will cover apple care so it's effectively free right. if you've considered the um you know your existing phone as a sunk cost that doesn't occur into the equation of you know, is it subsidizing your purchase of a new phone? Yeah. Unless your developer would want to keep your old phone around. Yeah. I was going to do it with the 6 Plus until I realized it couldn't handle AR kit. And I was like, all right, I'm selling this thing. Oh, really? Yeah. It's, yeah. it's gone. <laughs> well, it's not gone yet, but it will be gone soon. And you guys I still saw- have all my old phones. I wonder what I can get from my 3G. <laughs> Just hang on to that one. Condition. Yeah. You have, your, you have your first phone, your original phone? That was the first iPhone I bought. It was 3G. Oh, okay. I, I have a so silver back. Number two. Yep. I have a silver back, but the uh, kids. Uh, broke the home button on it. Like we used to, we used to give the phones to the kids to play with, like for games and stuff, to keep them quiet in the car and stuff. <laughs> Where the heck is this? I still have my uh, iPad one. Somewhere. Yeah. Oh, your first iPad. Oh, really? It was the iPad, the first. Yeah, the iPad one, the first model of it. Man, that thing. Looking back, was great. Thing was heavy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it looks really weird compared to what we have nowadays. Yeah. Um, yeah. What I have here that I'm looking to get rid of are my six plus, the iPad Air two, and as soon as I get my 10 and and migrate everything over and make sure you know give it a little shakedown uh, i'll be getting rid of my 7 plus as well right right so here real-time follow-up i found the uh, original tweet that greg uh, objected to i didn't realize he posted a, a twitter poll at the same time but so here's my original statement the new iphone models are more expensive how would you protect your investment no that's, that's, no, that's not the right one is it that the ch- kinder gent no it's not, yeah that's what i said the new iphone mo- iphone 10 models are more expensive how would you protect your investment and my question was i buy all the warranties, Apple Care Plus, credit card covers it, or no warranty, I'll risk it. I so. agree with Greg in that it, it's for a couple different factors. I believe it leads the witness too much. The iPhone Model X are more expensive. How would you protect it? And- yeah, so using the word investment, which is arguable as to whether these things are, are really investments, right, um, right. it's not like it appreciates over time. Um, right, right. right. Kind of like a car. Yeah, and the they're more expensive, which already sort of anchors in somebody's mind. Like, oh yeah, yeah, it is more money right right oh, i see okay i think okay. i would so, rewrite so, that one to be like are you going to get apple care for the iphone 10 that's probably so about as neutral marin, as you can make it marin todorov his response to my question was i think i'd rather invest a thousand dollars instead of throwing money in the toilet <laughs> and then he told me that his the phone for them start 1365 us is what it costs for them to buy them in in he's in berlin right now mm-hmm. oh here it is state farm allows me to insure a single item for th- it's three dollars for a thousand dollar item and i pay about eight dollars to insure my 2016 macbook pro that's from tim myers he says he's so he's able to um pay three bucks three bucks a year i guess to to have a thousand dollar writer writer on the one one thing right it's cheaper than apple care and if i throw it in the lake they get me a new one and he says apple care doesn't cover lake damage but my point is yes apple care does cover lake damage <laughs> i mean but that, that works out pretty good though right like that's a pretty sweet deal because um l- l- let me paint a scenario for you right yeah, yeah. so 
you're at a game. It's your first NFL game, so you, you, you've you've come from Canada in this in this scenario. Oh no! The and Buffalo, you're, you're, you're so excited. Players. You're sitting there, you know, in your your end zone tickets, yeah. and you want to take a selfie. Right. Uh, unfortunately, the player who has just scored a touchdown, and yeah. uh, for reasons unbeknownst to us, you've handed him the phone so he can take a selfie. Is Rob right. Gronkowski, right. and he has spiked your phone <laughs> instead of the ball <laughs> directly <laughs> into the field at Gillette Stadium. Right. right? right. Okay. In the scenario that the person had, where they're paying the like three dollars, what, however much it is, right, like three dollars for a thousand dollars. Yeah, it's rather sad, but they will get that brand new phone to replace it, and they have the broken body that they can at least sell for parts to some sort of reseller somewhere, right? Right, right. So that that feels like a huge win for uh, the very small amount of money they're paying for that insurance policy or uh, adder uh, rider to the policy. Right. Uh, here we go. My phone's not charging. <laughs> yeah. No. I mean. Yeah. But. But. But the, by the same token, though, Apple will also fix the fix the phone if um, if the man uh, spikes it as a dirt for me. If 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 you have Apple Care, right? If you don't, then then you're you're on your own, right? And actually, the 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 Buffalo Bills do come up to Sky Dome and play at least one or two games a year. So the Buffalo Bills are kind of unofficially uh, Canada's uh, football team, NFL team. But the real question is, who cares? Yeah, that's it's that's it is an interesting question, right? But that's the same the same yeah. thing can be said about Canadian football too, right? So sorry, Steve, but uh, yeah, yeah, I do wonder about that because you know the. NFL clearly has international ambitions. That's why they're expanding into London and enforcing teams to, to go over London, there and try to London, build London, England? And yes. Yeah. Uh, who, who's wow. playing there this year? Who has the... Wait, are the like Patriots one, going one to London game. this year? We're talking about one game. I think, it's, not... I think it's, a couple, it's two games this year, isn't it? Oh, is it? Yeah. Well, there's one in there's one in Mexico, uh, Mexico what? City. Yeah, Mexico City. Yeah, the Raiders against Patriots. Yeah, okay. Wait, that's the Mexico City the one, though, right? That's Mexico City, yeah. Who's who's in London this year, then? Not sure. Yeah. Uh, but either way, Tim, like they, they clearly want to expand, and you would think, like, look, if they're willing to go through the effort of uh, of London, um, why not somewhere in Canada, right? Like, right. Right, right. Baseball yeah. does it. Yeah. Basketball does it. Yeah. Well, like I said before, and, and I, I'm going to paraphrase it, but you know, if if Toronto got a professional football team like from the NFL, they, then they'd also want a professional hockey team. Right. <laughs> <laughs> There's a variation on a joke about Hamilton getting a hockey team. Yep. Oh, so I want to, uh, Mark. I want to ask you a question since I got you here. Um, okay. So I was I was going through refactoring Device Tracker, as you yep. love to hear, um, and it's a table view app, right? That yes. you know has a bunch of different things going on. So I decided, well, while I'm in there making sure it's ready for um, iOS 11, why don't I add dynamic type and auto sizing cells, right? Okay. Um, but so the way it's constructed is um, and I and I've and I've adapted the storyboard like you said because because I have three or four different types of cells uh, this wasn't create this idea wasn't created by me but but uh, one of my developers did it for me um, so anyway so now I, so I've, I've now set up those three different types of cells as prototype cells right yeah um, but they each have a subclass right so I'm struggling with the where do you put the line the line of code that says that the type or the cell should should automatically scale up now I heard something today that that cell automatically scale up now like without doing yeah. anything yeah yeah so well it, it's it's not that they don't do you don't do anything but but you just need to fully constrain the content view 
oh. with with its content. So the content inside has to fully size the content view. Right. Uh, in other words, you need to have you know, full from top to bottom constraints and left to right constraints. And then you still have to, in your code, you still have to set the row height to automatic dimension. Okay. So so I'm looking at it right now. So what I what I did in the content view is in one one of the prototype cells, I, I put a stack view in and then I put a value text field and a label text field because they're both text fields in this particular cell, right? Yeah. Well, text uh, stack views might cause problems. Because, right. Yeah. Because stack views, uh, they don't provide... No. They don't provide an external sizing, right? They they take their sizing from their outside surroundings. Their right, but, but you but you can so, pin you can pin them to the to the actual content view, right? Sure, you can. Yeah. But but then but which just which determines the actual size, the content view or the stack view, right? That's the problem. Uh, if you have specific uh, elements inside that have actual sizes, right. that will constrain the, the content view. But the stack view doesn't do that, right? The stack view builds in whatever space it's constrained to. So, yeah, but I thought I thought the stack views were I thought it was the, I thought it was the opposite. I thought stack view behavior was that that they would automatically adjust the size of the stack view based on the content. I had, I had heard somebody say that today, as a matter. What of what content though? The the content in the table view, the two text fields that are contained in the stack view. Oh, well, here's okay. Uh, well, yeah. So if, if that may be, if those are if those are are explicitly constrained, mm-hmm. and the stack view gets its size from the, those explicit sizes, and then it can pass that explicit size onto the content view, then yeah, it might work. Right. Right. Yeah. Okay. So, but but it, so, is there something I need to do? Like you were said, what was the thing you had said about the cell sizing or whatever? Like is a property. So, okay. So uh, so there's the constraining the uh, explicitly constraining the size of the content view with its internal. Constraints. That's one thing. Right. Uh, then the then the next thing is in code you have to set the row height right. of the table view yeah. to UI automatic dimension. Right. And then you have that. to and then you have to give the estimated row height a value, a reasonable yeah. value. Yeah. Okay. So I think I did that. And that should that should be all you have to do. Okay. So in my review controller, which is just a plain table view with nothing fancy in it, yep. I did that. I added in my view did load. I put in yes. So what I did what I did here, yeah. So I've got my self table view row height equals UI table view automatic dimension and then i've got right and i've got my um Est- just are you setting the estimated row height yes i am setting that i'm setting it one size for ipad and another size for iphone okay yep. all right so 170 144 um and that you know just detecting which kind of device it is so that's in my view will appear on my review controller so that one so that one should automatically scale up based on my content right yeah now as long as as long as you have the content sizing such that it explicitly uh sizes the content so view. so in this in my Read for controller, there's no hmm. Yeah, I don't have any auto layout constraints on this guy. So you're thinking I should uh, pin yeah. it or you must you must have auto layout constraints and uh, on the content view or on the contents of the content view. So the content view has to get its size from its contents. So there have to be enough constraints on the content inside in order to give the content view its size. So what I've got here, this is I think this is a plain prototype cell. Cell identifier is basic style, right? Because I've got a I've got a title label and then I've got the chevron to for the disclosure indicator, right? You're thinking so you're thinking I need to add some some constraints to this title. Uh, oh yeah, no, no. So basic cells won't won't resize. Oh okay, okay. So what do we need to do? It has to be a custom cell. Oh, it has to be a custom cell. Okay. Yeah, because you need to be able to explicitly constrain what's inside the content. So, but if I make a custom cell, do I have to build a class for the cell, or no? Like, um, well, I mean, technically, no, you don't have to, but you want to. (laughs) That way, because you want to have outlets to what's in the cell, right? 
Right. Oh, I see. Yeah. And yeah. so the only way to have outlets to what's in the cell is by using uh, a class. Sub- right. right. So you're saying the custom cells will automatically scale up, right? If it's on the contract. Well, it's it's critical that you have the constraint set right, though. If you don't have the constraint set right, it will not. Yeah, let me just run it. Build and run just for the sake of science, just to see. All right. Oh, no, my app is broken. I'm kidding. <laughs> well, have the, um, have the two of you upgraded your devices to iOS 11? Or maybe you were already on the public beta, for all I know. Um, my iPad was, and I think I'm, the iPad, I think, has already got the latest one on it, right? So that should be, and this is the gold, the gold master for I, Xcode 9 is, is the release version, right? The one that's out, the one that just went official. Today. Well, there was a, there was a separate version that was the official release one. I don't know if it was exactly the same as the golden master, but, but the official release one, you get through the app store upgrade process. Yeah, but you can also go to, can you not go to, um, uh, yeah, device it, developer it, downloads? Yeah, it, it might be identical to that. I don't know. Yeah, I tend to upgrade my, it's like my mainline one. I upgrade through the App Store and then I'll have, um, you know, like a backup copy of the previous and sometimes even that current version too. So like I have a backup copy of 8.3.3 and uh, I don't have a backup copy of Xcode 9. I just have the one from the App Store Mm -hmm. and keep them around for- I upgraded my my, my mainline phone today as well as all my Xcodes today. Really? Basically, and yeah. they're taking most of the day to do all that. I guess, yeah, yeah. 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 You know, it, it wasn't so bad to do the... Uh, I always use the iPad as a guinea pig. I try it out, make sure everything works. Um, still logged into stuff and everything. Um, confirming the, the two-factor authentic- authentication instead of the two-step authentication stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I was like, all right, now that I, I work from home, I've got enough ability to deal with my phone breaking in some way. At least I can continue to be productive while I'm... Um, waiting for a backup to restore or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I went ahead with my phone and that took a little longer, but I think the thing that was the most irritating to me was the upgrade to watch OS four. I thought I was going to lose my mind waiting for that thing to finish. Really? It takes oh. so long. It takes so long to do. So, so you've done your phone to iOS 11 and your watch to four, right? Mm-hmm. But have you noticed anything cool about uh, watch four yet? Or, um, the one thing I've trying explicitly new is I'm trying out that Siri watch face and see okay. how that, uh, right. See how that works see if it gives me anything interesting it's supposed to be mm-hmm. sort of like uh timely information for oh um like it's reminding me that i need to pay some bills tonight all right cool i'll, I'll do that um mm-hmm. apparently hurricane maria has knocked out power in what puerto rico i think yeah so new stuff there too baltimore is playing jacksonville in london this sunday baltimore jacksonville all right cool oh no the week after new orleans is playing miami in yeah, this stuff is all spread out. Like uh, the streaming rights and stuff too is kind of confusing. Like Amazon has the Thursday night streaming availability as well. Like I think on the 28th, it's going to be the Bears versus the Packers on Amazon video, which Twitter had last year, the streaming rights for, for that. And I think Yahoo is getting the London games, something like that. Wow. Uh, and then October 22nd, Arizona plays LA Rams, also in London, but at a different stadium, Twickenham Stadium, not at Wembley, it's expanding out there, Tim. The, wow. the NFL wants it to be international. That's for sure. Yeah. On October 29th, Minnesota plays Cleveland at also at Cookingham. That's four games already. In four UK. games in in the UK and one in, in the UK Mexico City. In yeah. Wow. So far. And while I'm thinking about it, it, it's been a while since we've had a, yeah. a Canadian football star cross over into the NFL. Like Doug Flutie. Um, Doug Flutie, Warren Moon. Um, uh, oh my God, I see his face. Uh, Kurt Warner was the last one that I could 
could think of. Hmm. Oh, wait, maybe oh, he was arena football, wasn't he? Did he ever play in the Canadian League? Might be wrong on that. I mean, you got to figure there's guys who um, didn't get drafted or got cut from somebody's practice squad. And you would think they'd get picked up by a Canadian team and then prove their uh, their medal over there and then come back. It's a little strange it doesn't happen more in the NFL that way. I mean, baseball does it all the time, right? There's guys who um, they thought were going to be starters. They're not. They go back to the minors. They get traded around. And then sometimes they, or, they come or they back. Or Japan. They play in Japan and then come back. Yeah. Okay. I just went through the whole schedule. There's four games in London and one game in Switzerland. Wow. Yeah. It's definitely interesting how the NFL is doing this because uh, a lot of those matchups sounded pretty good, right? Like this wasn't, oh, okay, well, let's get the, the scrub teams. Uh, who have we got? Uh, Jacksonville and Cleveland. Okay. You two, you, you get to be the, the lucky dogs to go to London. Um, yeah. They're choosing well, uh, pretty good. Certainly the, uh, the Patriots against the Raiders in Mexico City. That's a, that's a premier game. That's a, yeah, with playoff implications too for two Absolutely. teams expected to be um, there at the very end. Yep, yep, and it's uh, officially it's a home game for the Raiders. That probably works out pretty good. Um, the Raiders do pretty well in uh, in the Southwest mm-hmm. uh, and Hispanic um, communities, so I bet it, I bet they I bet yeah. they will have yeah. a home field advantage there in Mexico City. Yeah, probably. Well, considering everybody hates the Patriots everywhere now. <laughs> oh man, I, I I just can't imagine being the Falcons though. Like he, he, yeah. he, the first game of the season, it was brought up in the the Patriots ceremony. Uh, what is it, the twenty five three thing? I don't remember the exact numbers, but twenty uh, eight. <laughs> Or, or something like that, wasn't it? Yeah, it's yeah. an unbelievable yeah. comeback. Yeah. Hmm. No, I'm working. Tim, I got a question. What's what's the greatest comeback that anybody's ever had? I guess within a single game um, in hockey for the um, NHL, the Stanley Cup. <sighs> Like what's comeback? Yeah, like I don't know. Like, (laughs) I mean, I I, it it feels to me like it would have to be like three or four goals down in the final period equivalent. Yeah, well, I can tell you that Toronto Maple Leafs have a habit of of blowing those kind of games. (laughs) (laughs) Um. Well, you know that one of the things that's really rare is for um, a team to be up three games because it's best out of seven for to win a Stanley Cup. And there's, there's, I think there's been a couple of instances where I can't remember, can't remember if somebody actually came back from that yet. But uh, that rings a bell. I don't know. I don't know. It's nothing really sort of stands out. You know, um, I'm sure you know people are would be yelling at their phones. Um, I'm not really a sports guy, right? So I mean, there was the was the time that the Maple Leafs were up against the L.A. Kings and um, in the in the semi final and Wayne Gretzky high sticked Doug Gilmore and so there's big controversy about that because Doug Gilmore got cut and there's a rule in in NHL where if a player gets cut in a high sticking then the player who high sticked the person um, gets an automatic four minute penalty or they did at the time right and of course um, because the refs quote unquote air quotes here didn't see it happen they didn't see that it was Gretzky that high sticked Gilmore and so he was allowed to stay on the ice and of course everybody like freaking out, and then um, Gretzky a few minutes later went on to score the over the winning game winning goal in overtime and ended the series. <laughs> <laughs> So, you know, there are people in Toronto who, like, remember that. I mean, I remember it passionately, right? So, um, and then, of course, the LA Kings lost to the Montreal Canadiens for the Stanley Cup final. But that was sort of like, and it was kind of like one of those things where the NHL kind of thought, you know, the conspiracy is that the NHL would have made a ton of money having Wayne Gretzky in, you know, Wayne Gretzky and the LA Kings in the final, right? Um, Where they may not have made as much money with the Maple Leafs versus the Canadians in the final. You know what I mean? Like an American team versus a Canadian. Team, as opposed mm-hmm. to two Canadian
Canadian themes, which you know the American audience would have lost interest. So, so there's some well, question, and especially Wayne Gretzky. Right? Well, yeah, He's oh, yeah, the biggest star he yeah. was at the time. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. So that was so that was kind of like you know, did the referee see the call or didn't they? Right. So that was that was a that was a pretty pretty big conspiracy right though so, yeah but one of the most famous goals of all time was the goal that bobby orr score, scored in 1970 to win the the stanley cup in sudden death in overtime in boston and like you know he scored the goal and like leapt into the air kind of thing in a horizontal fashion i still remember that goal too i mean i was watching that game that was like incredible i was a boston Bruins fan at that time though so my dad hated that but oh well <laughs> That was a pretty cool. Goal. I was a little too young. No. Were you? Hmm. Yep. Yeah. So it's funny. Carol used to work at the Hockey News in uh, Toronto. Here, she used to do the classified ads, and uh, they had this one thing where they had to had to uh, they 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 wanted to call the the goal that that Paul Henderson scored to beat the Russians in the original seventy two Summit Series, where you know the Canadians went in there thinking, oh, we're the best in the world, and we'll 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 trounce these guys, and the Russians actually like you know showed them that they weren't in fact, and they almost lost the entire series, and that would have been super. Super embarrassing for Canadian, right? For Canada, and um, so Paul Henderson scores this goal, and you know, f- fabulous, you know, goal, and wins the series, blah blah blah, right? So the hockey news guys were going to call that a defining moment in Canadian history, <laughs> and Carol was like, uh, "You can't call that a defining moment in Canadian history." Like there were, you know, like hockey history maybe, but not Canadian history, right? So. We have a stamp commemorating it and everything. <laughs> so what are the defining moments in Canadian history? Um, I think we burned down the White House once. That was pretty pretty defining. Um, See, this this is why I was this is why <laughs> I was so disappointed. You? This is why I was so disappointed. So disappointed <laughs> when the United States uh, lost in the summer uh, sorry, the winter Olympics to the to Canada when we were in the final. I was oh, yeah, so was, ready. I was yeah, like, yeah. exactly. Finally, something something that, that will burn them deeply inside a scar that will never heal because it's their sport and I will lord it over them forever. Yeah, I believe it was Sidney Crosby who scored on Ryan Miller, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> yeah, the you know, I've always thought it was cool. Like, like so, so Toronto or Canada's always sort of dominated, you know, in terms of in terms of hockey skill. Like, right. So I actually think it's kind of cool that the Americans, you know, have a really good hockey team and that the Swedish do. And you know, I mean, Canada's lost to um, you know European teams in in those those uh, kind of Olympic things and whatever in the past, right? Like the year that Wayne Gretzky was actually on the team, the one year he was on the team as a player, they lost, right? I think they lost to, I don't know if they lost to the United States or or to Finland or Sweden or something like that. Sweden, maybe. Because like, Sweden was, a, oh, and the Czech, the Czech Republic won the, the cup, uh, or sorry, the, the gold medal once, right? With uh, Dominic Hasek and Jaromir Jager and those guys, right? That was a pretty uh, pretty impressive Olympic, right? So, <laughs> I mean, I are figuratively uh, looking at each other saying, I don't know. 